0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, As Marco said, we're kicking off National Lutheran Schools Week, and if you didn't know it, our Lutheran church body operates the largest Protestant school system in the United States of America. We have uh, close to 1,200 preschools, uh, almost 800 elementary schools almost 90 high schools, nine universities, two seminaries, and we share the message of Jesus Christ and his word to over 200,000 students and their families and their communities every year. And we're blessed at St. John's because we have the largest preschool preschool to K-8 school in the whole denomination, and we're grateful. For God's work here amongst us. We're also blessed in Southern California because we have Orange Lutheran High School down the road. We have Crean Lutheran in Irvine. We have Concordia University in Irvine as well. And our St. Louis Seminary has a satellite campus as well at, this, at the university in Irvine. And it's pretty cool to think about that God has used used our church body in a powerful way to train, to raise up, and to educate Uh, Children and adults, and I'm telling you, we have some of the best teachers and administrators and staff who are gifted and are passionate about God and his word to us. In fact, just this past week, I was able to go to the middle school um, open house, and Dr. Hollitz and Mrs. VB, Mr. Harrison, and all other teachers, they did such a great job highlighting God's work amongst us, highlighting his word coming alive in our school, in our educational ministries here at St. John's. This Wednesday, we're going to baptize some kids in our school chapel. And as I was looking at you fourth graders, I remember baptizing some of you guys at that school chapel. Who, who was baptized at that school chapel? Yeah, I remember that. Very cool, very cool. Great day of celebration. And it's so cool that we have our fourth graders uh, leading us. You guys did such a good job. They've gotten so much better than preschool, huh? I mean, they had doing separate parts and things like that, reading the scriptures. Proud of you guys. Did really good this morning. Our school does such a great job of partnering with parents to raise up children in God and his word. And I know that for a fact because I know three of the students at the school I know very, very, really, really well. Uh, They live at my house. (laughs) And so I get the inside scoop, you know, practically every day about what's happening at St. John's. In fact, the other day, one of my kids was asking me about the gospel reading from last week. Um, She came to me and said, well, Jesus is talking to his mom. You may remember that. John chapter 2, verse 4, it said, Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And she read it in class and came home and was thinking about it and asked me later, well, why did Jesus not call his mom mom? Why do you he call her a woman? That didn't seem right. And I love that because not only are our children being taught the word of God, but they're being taught to think about the word of God, and they're being taught to bring questions to it. Sometimes our kids have questions about the word because the Bible doesn't make sense to them. It ever happened to anybody out there? Have you ever read the word and you're like, that doesn't make sense to me. I wish I knew what it meant. For me, I'm a pastor. I feel the same way. I feel like I'm just on the beginning edge of studying and understanding God's word. But in some ways, I find comfort in that because God's word, you could spend a lifetime studying. You could never plumb the depths of the richness of his communication to us in, in the word. In fact, in my life group just this past week, we had some really good discussions on the text from last week. It challenged our understanding. We had good conversations. Our lives encouraged us, and hopefully, it'll make us do and act and live in a different way. Really, our whole church, which includes our schools, is centered around bringing and explaining and living around and living out God's word. And if it weren't for our mission to bring Christ, to bring the word of God to everyone, from our preschoolers all the way up to our elderly, our church wouldn't be here. Our school wouldn't be here. The reality is we are just continuing in a long tradition that goes back thousands of years, that goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And our our fourth graders read from Nehemiah chapter 8, which was kind of bringing that alive again, bringing that tradition of the word alive again. And so I'm going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8 with you this morning a little bit more. The context of the book of Nehemiah is this. Uh, God's people had made some poor choices, and so they were exiled off to Babylon. This big power, Persia, comes in and overthrows Babylon. The Babylonians get out of there, Persians come into the rule, and the Persians give permission to Israel to go back to Jerusalem, to their country. So God's people return, they start to rebuild the city, they rebuild a wall around it. And the text comes today after they had built that wall and before they had dedicated it. They gathered together to read the word of God. And they did that because they knew that a holy city was more than just a temple. It was more than a church. And it was more than just a wall that was built around it. They knew that a holy city required a holy people. And so they knew they needed to kind of hit the reset button. They needed to reconnect to God and to his word, and so Nehemiah chapter eight verse one, all the people they came together as one, kind of like we're doing this morning. We come together as one people. They came together as one in the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the teacher of the law to bring out the book of the law of Moses, the word of God, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And I love that the idea for the teaching of Moses it comes from the people. They say, "Hey, we want to hear about it," and they call out Ezra to read it to them. Ezra is a teacher, like Jesus in the New Testament is a rabbi. A teacher, So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. That's men, women, and children. And actually for the times, this was quite radical, quite inclusive to have the men and the women and the children there to hear the word of God. That usually was just for the men. Verse 3, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and the others who could understand the children, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. I want you to hear that, my friends. That is a six-hour sermon, all right? And they were attentive the whole time, fourth graders. How does that sound? A f- six-hour sermon. You ready for it? You think we can do it today? No? Yeah? 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 No, no, you're giving me a definite no right over here. All right, how about 20 minutes? You can do it for 20 minutes to be attentive. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Everyone stood up. When it was open, kind of like you guys just had to stand up for the gospel reading, and they stood for six hours listening to this sermon. I mean, you guys have got it easy, right? You got it cushy in those auditorium chairs. Those are really comfortable, right? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and they responded, "Amen, and amen." Fourth graders, can you do that? Lift your hands up really high. I want to hear you say, "Amen, amen." amen. amen. A little louder, ready? All right, and then the text continues. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Do you want me to have them do that part? No, okay, we won't do that. We won't do that. Verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, and they gave the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. I love that little verse there because it's so important for us not only to hear the word of God, but to understand the word of God. It's what we do. Each week when we come to worship, we connect to his word, we connect to God, we unpack his communication to us. Verse 9 says, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. And he says, do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. The story was going pretty good so far, and you're like, "Why why is everyone crying? And I think it has to do because they were listening to a six-hour sermon. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> I don't think it was that. <laughs> the reality is, is they were weeping and they were grieving deep down inside because they realized how much and how far they had fallen away from God. They had neglected God for generations and generations. They neglected his word. They neglected his ways. And it wasn't so much a question of knowledge and of intellect, but it was more a question of life, a question of lifestyle. A question of missing out on all the blessings that God had for them. And as I read that this past week, it kind of made me think about it. It's a good question for us today to ask ourselves. How far, how far or how close are we to God and to his word, to his life that he has for us in Jesus? It's a good question to ask yourself. What place does the word of God have in your life? Is there a weekly spot? For it in worship? Is there a daily part in your life for devotions? And as you look and you think about God's word, where is your heart toward it? Do you have a desire to hear him communicate to you? Verse 10, Nehemiah said, he said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And he said, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Those words are huge if you really look at them because they show that no matter how far that we've gotten from God, no matter how much we've neglected him, it's never too late to turn back to God. It's never too late to reset, to hit the reset button, to reconnect with God and to his word. It's never too late to come together as his people, to rejoice together in his forgiveness and the joy that he has. It's never too late to share The love of God with others. So we're about here at St. John's. Connect to God. Grow together and share Christ. Verse 11 says this. We're going to keep, we didn't read it this morning, but I wanted to add it on there because I think it's so important. It says, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still. This is a holy day. Don't grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and to drink And to send portions of food. That means they were giving of their abundance to the people who didn't have any food. They were uh, doing acts of mercy and grace. Send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. Because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They celebrated with with each other. And they gave to those in need so that those people could celebrate to. that's what it means to understand the word that's what it means to make sense of it it means to apply it to our lives and better yet let that word translate our lives and translate and transform other people's lives through us that's why St. John's that's why our church exists that's why we have a school so we let the word change our lives and change the world to be a better place it's why we have a discipleship pathway that's connected to God We connect to his word each week in worship. It's why we talk about growing together around God's word. And we do that in life groups. And if you're a man in the room, there's a life group on Thursday night, 630 to 8. And you're not part of one. Jeff Newell wants you there. Look in your handout. The information is there. Sign up for that. If you're a woman in the room, you heard Elsa talk about it. It's time to awaken your faith. We've got an awesome retreat. It's a good time for women to grow together around God's word. Sign up today in the courtyard. Don't hesitate to do it. Connect to God, grow together, share Christ. You see, in Nehemiah there, the word motivated them to not only go home and celebrate God's grace and mercy, but to give from their abundance to those in need. That's what understanding the word is. Understanding the word leads to action, but it started with hearing and explanation And that was modeled to me by one of my kids this past week when she heard and she asked for that explanation. Why did Jesus call his mom woman? And guess what? My life group, the big kids last week, they asked the same question. Why did Jesus call his mom woman? And if you remember, last week I talked a little bit about it. It was a respectful term and it actually kind of meant ma'am or dear woman or dear lady. And some think, as I said last week, it was because Jesus was distancing himself from his own mother, and he was identifying more as her savior than as her son. Because he knew and he loved his mom so much that he knew his mom needed him as her savior more than he needed her, no more than she needed him as his her son. We see our in our gospel reading this sort of action lived out. Big kids and little kids, we all have questions of the word of God. And when we let that word come into our lives, it transforms our lives toward action. We saw it in those words that the fourth graders read a moment ago from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus applied those words to himself as he read it. Luke 4 verse 21 said this. Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he was referring to Isaiah the prophet who hundreds of years before prophesied about the Messiah, about Jesus. And Jesus read those words and he said, this is me. This is happening right now. He read Luke 4, 18. He said these words. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And finally there, to set the oppressed free. My friends, that is action. That's the word of God coming alive. You'll see it there is good news. It's healing. It's freedom. That's what Jesus and his word bring. They don't just bring word. He doesn't just bring words about it. He actually brings it. Jesus came to set the oppressed, free. And he called his followers to do the same. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, did that very thing. When the church, the church, the church had gotten so far off track and he called God's people back to the word, back to grace, back to faith, back to Jesus. And just like in Nehemiah's day, and because he did that, it's why we have a Lutheran church here. It's why we're here this morning. It's why we have a Lutheran school. It's why we have these fourth graders up here leading us in God's word. It's powerful when you think of it that way. In fact, every year in October, our fourth graders in our whole school, we talk about it. It's called Reformation Day. We celebrate Martin Luther setting the oppressed free. But every January, our school also celebrates. And learns about another Martin Luther. Fourth graders, do you know who I'm talking about? Who is it? Martin Luther, Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. I know you learned about him this past week. And we as a nation, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. this past week. It's the only national holiday that honors a Christian pastor. And I don't know if you know it, but he was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1929. He was born as Michael King, Jr. But in 1935, his father, after visiting Germany, changed both of their names, both of their names to Martin Luther, to honor the German Protestant reformer and his work to bring freedom in the gospel to those who were oppressed by the church at the time. Michael King, Sr. wanted he and his son to do the same thing in America, to bring freedom from those, for those who were oppressed. He wanted to have the word of God not only read, not only explained, but as Jesus said, fulfilled among us. From 500 years ago and from 50 and 70 years ago, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. It's my prayer that we, too, will be encouraged today to not only read God's word, but repent if we need to, like those in Nehemiah's day. Maybe some of us need to repent for legalism. Maybe some of us need to repent for racism. Maybe some of us need to repent for materialism or selfishness or narcissism or whatever. But as we repent today, we rejoice together in God's forgiveness and grace that we can always hit the reset button and reconnect with him and receive healing and good news and freedom from Jesus, that his word would be fulfilled among us, working its way not only into us, but through us as a people. Like Martin Luther of 500 years ago and of Martin Luther King Sr. and Jr. 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And with repentant hearts, we as a people, I hope that we'll hear the words of God as Nehemiah said them, verse 10, go, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength.